I don't say he was a bit jealous <laughs> of that. He seized with jealousy, maybe? <laughs> or is that too strong? Uh, no, I think that's about, about right. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I am Kay Anderson, and you are listening to Lost Spaces, the podcast that mourns the death of queer nightlife. Here is how it goes. Every episode, I talk to a different person about a venue from their past, the memories that they created there, and the people that they used to know. So, you are new to a city, you know absolutely no one, the job that you moved for has since been rescinded and you've basically got to start from scratch. Where do you go to meet people and how do you make new friends? How about Facebook? You thought I was going to say your local gay bar, didn't you? Hmm. No, not quite yet, but we will get there. For this week's guest, Maurice Smith from The Category Is podcast, it was Facebook where he first made connections after he moved to Philadelphia in the late noughties. But, you know, talking online can only take you so far and eventually you're going to want to meet, right? And that is where the local gay bar bump comes in. We chat all about renaming the gayborhood and come up with some really lackluster alternatives, overcoming shyness, and Maurice teaches me a new word, meet cute. Have you heard of that one before? Well, if you haven't, you are about to find out. Let's get into the episode. the gayborhood here in philadelphia Mm -hmm. and they tried to rebrand it to something like more you know inclusive yeah but they call it midtown village now which is not it doesn't give you the same kind of vibe but um you know the gays we still call it the gayborhood not letting go yeah we we hold on to it you know for the nostalgia (laughs) but it is an interesting conversation right like there's boys town Mm -hmm. there's like the gay village there Mm -hmm. are all these places that are centered on gay male experiences Mm -hmm. that aren't inclusive but how do you get a whole population of people to change the way they talk about a place right I don't, you know, I'm yeah. just proposing a question there. I don't, but, but also like, how do you come up with something that's as like snappy and rolls off the tongue as yeah. gay village? <laughs> What's yours? Gay town, gayborhood. Gayborhood, gayborhood. yeah, the that gayborhood. Works. It works because yeah. it's a neighborhood, but it's for the gays. It's the gayborhood. But it shouldn't only be for the gays. This is right. the whole conversation. And that's that's <laughs> why the rebranding kind of took place. But then it's just so bland and generic now that it's like, eh, nobody really likes it and like so you couldn't really call it the lgbt no that nothing works there and then so many people would be offended if you call it like queer alley or something Mm -hmm. yeah so you couldn't do that non-heterosexual hill 
No, I don't know what you could do. It, nothing works. <laughs> nothing works. I guess they need a marketing team. They need a marketing. We need, yeah. I think we need to do some focus groups, bring people together. Yeah. LGBTQ Avenue. <laughs> LGBTQ Avenue. That's kind of that's that's a no? mouthful. <laughs> okay, sorry. Anyway, so you're telling me so everyone recommended that you go to Bump when you moved to Philadelphia. Right. Do you remember the first time you went there? Yes, I do. I want to say it was Thursday, and it was one of the people that I just you know had met on the Facebook, and we were you know kind of just chatting, and he was like, "Hey, well, let's." meet at bump and i was like well what is bump because <laughs> i didn't know you know i still do and um i had never been so he, he was like oh it's you know at this intersection because also when i was new to the city i didn't venture out much like i went to work and i came home and like that was the extent mm-hmm. of my exploring the city and so you know going to bump for the first time was like oh like where kind of like where am I? So had you not been like, oh, I'm new to the city. I need to figure out where all the gay places are. No, I didn't, because I'm also like very risk averse, and so because it was everything was so new, and like I was never out at night in the beginning. Like I was just <laughs> kind of scared. Oh, okay. Because, so you don't mean out. You mean out? Yeah, I was just never out. Like I never went <laughs> clubbing or like. In the oh, beginning, wow. because I was really, I wouldn't say scared, but there was probably a little fear there because it was a new place. And, you know, coming from the South, we have this perception that cities are dangerous and you don't go out after dark. You're going to get mugged. And my mom is actually a police officer. So, you know, she kind of ingrained in us that you're in danger. But, okay. <laughs> so do I have this right? You moved to Philadelphia because you'd outgrown your town in South Carolina and you wanted something a bit more exciting. Mm-hmm. But then you got there and you stayed at home. Yes. <laughs> Makes no sense, right? <laughs> but I was just, I wasn't really settled. and I wasn't really like, okay, now I'm ready to go. I just wasn't ready, I think. It took me, I would say, until like that fall to really kind of start going out like i missed what so you moved in the winter and Mm -hmm. it took like nine months yeah because i think the first time i went to bump it was like october so that was what like eight months wow yeah you don't often think about how taxing it is to move to a brand new city Mm -hmm. right like it's it's a lot of mental capacity and emotional turmoil Mm -hmm. And then also just being, um, I was broke as well. Well, there's that. <laughs> because my, like I said, my job had gotten canceled. So I like had to figure everything out. And I was just, you know, let me get my priorities straight. And then I can worry about going out. And um, So in this period, did you make any friends at all? Not really. So my, um, one of my friends from college, he moved to Philadelphia like a month or two after I did. So mm-hmm. we actually um, became roommates. He was kind of like my, I guess, friend. I wanted to make new friends, but I, at the end of the day, like if I didn't, I, you know, he was still there and we were still kind of 
a safety net, I, I would mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. Okay. So sorry, I, I cut you off. No. It was your first time at Bump. This mm-hmm. guy from Facebook had recommended it to you mm-hmm. and you went there to meet him? Yes. <laughs> Which was an experience because I walk in and so it had these like double doors that kind of opened um, in and you can just go in and the music is like blaring and then it had these huge windows on one wall, but it was still kind of dark <laughs> for some reason. So it's just like, you know, almost disorienting because you have the loud music, it's dark. I don't know anyone. And it's like, well, where, you know, like, where's the guy who I was supposed to meet? So I felt like I looked very awkward, you know, trying to like, um... and then, you know, being new to the city, I felt everyone was looking at me which made me that much more nervous and shy because I'm like, oh God, you know, everyone's staring at me. And I felt like I couldn't go anywhere. I felt like trapped. So yeah, it was just a lot all at once, I would say. And so did you have photos of this guy that you were meeting with? Yeah, from Facebook. So I kind of knew what he looked like, but then he was late getting there. So Uh. we were supposed to meet at like, say 5.15 or whatever. I can't remember the exact time, but... um. I didn't see his message that he was running late until after I had gotten there. So I'm like, okay, like, what do I do now? <laughs> because I don't know anyone. I'll just go to the bar oh, nice and wait. Yeah. And so it was like, I go to the bar, then I finally order a drink, and I'm just like, okay, let me start drinking so I can get my uh, liquid courage up. <laughs> so we finally came, and then we like chit chatted and kind of just started to get to know each other. And it, I still felt it was awkward because, you know, it was just a new experience for me. But I think I think I enjoyed it. What are the kind of things that you share about yourself when you meet a new person? It's always about like, you know, you kind of have that general chit chat like, oh, where are you from? Everyone in Philly is like, what do you do? That's I think that's like the next question. Where are you from? What do you uh, do? I have a real I have a real hatred of the question. What do you do? Yeah. I don't know. I don't think it really matters a lot you know yeah I think it does matter but it also doesn't matter like it's not the most important thing about you that I want to know right like if I like you I don't really care what you do I mean I don't want you to work for like shell or something but if I like you like it's cool whatever you do I'm not Mm -hmm. like more impressed or less impressed by by your job Mm -hmm. but that whole culture of so what do you do oh or, oh, like, <laughs> right. I just find that really gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't really volunteer information. Oh. <laughs> I'm not, you know, the one who's, like, super talkative who, mm-hmm. I think I'm getting better at that now, but I wasn't the one who would, like, just volunteer and give you, like, a five-minute monologue or biography <laughs> of, like, my life. You know, I kind of like to let the questions kind of be more conversational and not, like, a list of like and not feel like you're yeah yeah you're just like going through the script that Mm -hmm. you go through for everyone that you talk to do you think your reluctance to talk about yourself is related to your shyness or do you think it's something else that is a good question I think I have always been like inherently shy but then also private at the same time not necessarily secretive Mm -hmm. but I like to I don't like to give give a lot of information away because like a lot of mm. times it's like, well, what is, what are, 
what are you going to use this information for? And that's <laughs> really one. So I had an experience in my life where I was outed. And so I think that's where a lot of it also comes from. Oh, no. Where it's like, what are you going to do with this information? So that's what I'm. Well, and so was it a situation where you confided in someone and then they used that against you? Well, it was more like I was involved with this guy. <laughs> Like towards the end of college and um, like after college. And, you know, it was just like one of those things. Like it wasn't a relationship, but it wasn't. There was nudity involved. Of course, yes. (laughs) So we were involved like towards the end of my college. He was like, I can't remember if he was a year younger than me or like two years younger than me or whatever. But we would still see each other when I was, I would go back to like for football games and things like that. And then, you know, we would see each other and hang mm-hmm. out and do stuff. And then the city I moved to after college was his hometown. So, like, when he would come home from college to visit his family and stuff, we would, like, see each other, hang out, hook up, you know, that kind of stuff. And um, so, anyway, long story short is that when I, like, started dating someone after, you know, because, like I said, it wasn't, like, a relationship. So I didn't feel, like, any obligation. <laughs> <laughs> responsibility so i love that you're justifying this all to me like you're, you're laying out this yeah. groundwork i get it okay. so i started dating someone and then that guy uh-huh. found out and then since he was still like in college i think he was like a senior that year anyway he told everybody like in our friend group we went to um a large school but the black population at that school was very small so like all the minorities the black people we all kind of knew each other and so mm-hmm. once he told certain people then like everyone knew like i literally went to bed one night and woke up the next morning and like he had told the entire like everyone knew like my <sighs> inboxes were full <laughs> my text messages were full like this is back when AOL instant messenger when that was going on, like I had so many like IMs um, about it, but yeah, it was like shit. Yeah. <laughs> what were the repercussions of that? You know, I lost a lot of people who you know I thought were friends or people who were yeah in my life, and it was just just one of those situations where it was very eye opening because at the end of the day, it kind of let me know who was for me and who was mm-hmm. not. So. Mm-hmm. It was one of those life lessons. Yeah, kind of one of those things that with perspective, you can see mm-hmm. how that might have been useful for you, but it was still a very shitty way for it to happen. Yeah, definitely. So do we want to publicly shame the person that did this? <laughs> we want to call them out? No, no, I let that go a long time ago. <laughs> Good, because I'm not sure what I would have done if you said that. Yeah, no, it's um, looking back on it, I'm kind of glad that it happened because just yeah. really, like I said, moved me forward in like a lot of ways and helped me grow in a lot of ways. And, you know, we do still have um, mutual friends and they'll mention his name sometimes. And it's just like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, what happens to you when his name gets mentioned? So I used to be filled with rage and like anger and like uh-huh. kind of all that stuff would come back. But now it's just like, eh, 
I hope he's doing well, you know. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. He's got no power over you. None. Fuck him. Yeah, exactly. Because when you hold on to it, that's when they have the power. But when you release it, it's Mm-mm. much more powerful for, for me. Yeah, that's delicious. <laughs> but having gone through that experience, you think that that has impacted your willingness to be open about yourself? Definitely. Ah. Even though that was in the past and that happened in the past, that's one of the things that it's just someone taking personal stuff and kind of using it um, against you. So at the time, we kind of reinforced, okay, yeah, this is why you don't share as much with people because look what they can do with it. But yes, it's... It's a really interesting thing, right? Because your situation, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sound really wanky when I say this, so sorry. But like your situation is someone used something against you and now you're punishing the rest of the world by not sharing yourself. I can see it. Yeah, I can see it that way. The only reason I feel comfortable to say that to you is that mm-hmm. I am also a person who's not very good at sharing mm-hmm. and I am getting better and I only share when it's not invited, actually. <laughs> really? So like on this podcast, when people are wanting to tell me their story, then I'll be like, okay, I'm going to start talking about myself now. Um, but if I'm in those situations where someone's like, tell me about your school life or mm-hmm. tell me about what this was like, I just shrug it off or like, oh, yeah, what else? Yeah. And I'm not very forthright with mm-hmm. things about myself. I'm not very... Uh, like particularly open Mm -hmm. and unlike you I would say that I am kind of secretive Mm -hmm. I've been trying to unpick it and trying to work out why it is Mm -hmm. and whether it's linked to my sexuality at all in terms of you know learning to minimize myself Mm -hmm. when I was younger learning to be unnoticeable because if no one notices me that means they won't pick up on the fact that I'm gay and then penalize me for it Mm -hmm. or whether it's something else whether it's I don't know the friction within friendships Mm -hmm. and me being oversensitive when something like your situation happened you know like if I bitched about Samantha and then Polly went and told Samantha, I don't know mm-hmm. anyone called Polly or Samantha, <laughs> these are just examples. Um, and, and whether I like took that way too seriously and then internalized it and then from that day forward never told never, anyone yeah. anything, even though it yeah. wasn't really that traumatic. Mm-hmm. But it is really interesting in that like I... Oh, there's no way of talking about this without sounding really like a help book or something. But keep keep my light from other people. Mm-hmm. I could I could understand that. I think we do what we feel is best in order to, you know, either survive. protect ourselves or survive. Yeah. And I think it's all about setting boundaries as well. Cause like I'll share things, but up to a point. <laughs> or I'll mm-hmm. give you a general understanding of the story, but I won't go like super in depth. You know, it's and so a lot mm-hmm. of the super personal things, I'll keep that to myself. Or I'll keep that to my good, good girlfriend who, you know, I trust with, you know, everything. Or we talk about like really deep things. And so it's like with people who you either don't know their motives or you don't know them. Mm. When I'm first getting to know someone, then I'll be, I think, that much more closed off uh, to them. 
than mm. obviously someone I've known for a really long time. But but it is kind of counterproductive, right? Uh, potentially. And the reason I say that is that, like, you're not letting them see who you are until they know you. But at the point that they think they know you, they then realize that they don't know you because you're then like, oh, and here's all oh, these other things that <laughs> yeah. I haven't shown you. Yeah, um, yeah I can see it that way um, as well. But, you know, I just like to think that for me is <laughs> the best, you know. Mm-mm. Oh, yeah, sorry. And I'm not trying to like be like, you need to rethink everything about yourself and change your ways. I just, I find it, I overuse that word, but I find it really interesting. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so you had some martinis, mm-hmm. you were at Bump. This guy from Facebook was running late. Please tell me he showed up. Oh, yeah, he finally did <laughs> show up. So it was, by that time, I was probably three or four martinis in because I was just so nervous that I was just like throwing him back. So by the time they kicked in, he had gotten there. So I, I was probably a bit more free <laughs> with info uh, at that point because we had, um, you know, pretty good conversation and got to to know each other. And he was, you know, kind of telling me like different things about the city and, you know, Philadelphia in general and just like gay life and in, in Philly. And yeah, I think we became like really good friends at that point. Yeah. At that point, does that mean he's <laughs> no longer in your life? Uh, yeah, no, he's no longer <laughs> around. I get the sense you don't want me to ask any follow-up questions, and I will respect yeah. <laughs> that sense. So Bump was actually where I met my first boyfriend in philadelphia (gasps) and it was like a proper what do they call it in the movies Uh, a meet cute where you have like this random story where you kind of you know just meet someone like in real life not like oh is meet cute a thing should i know that yeah it's very like rom-com term it's like sarah meets cute guy on the elevator and you know it's like just some or at the grocery store it's like some random Ah. encounter that kind of starts the romance it sets up the story for the for the rom. So I shouldn't spell it M E A T. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. So, so tell me the story. So my friend from college who moved to Philadelphia, um, like a month or two after I did. You know, so we were roommates, and he was a bit more um, eager to meet a guy in Philadelphia. So he mm. was always like going on a first date. He was on all the app. Where, can't remember were apps a thing at that point or how did you meet guys back then? oh yeah i know he used adam for adam a lot which was a thing um and so he had a date that he was meeting there like for dinner and i was like Ew, okay but it was a blind date so he didn't want to like just go randomly and so he said would you come with me while he waited for his date to show up i was like yeah sure and so we're standing around. There was like this huge column, like in the middle of bump. I guess it's structural. I'm not sure. And so we're just like kind of standing around right beside this column. It was crowded and I'm very tall. So, you know, people notice me <laughs> very easily. And so I remember I was facing the door and I saw this group of probably four guys walk in. And mm-hmm. one guy, his eyes just lit up. 
and like we made when we made eye contact and you know i didn't think anything of it so i'm just like okay you know so i'm like talking to, to my friend and then i happened to turn to my left and the guy was standing like right here wow and, yeah and then he's like introduced himself he's like, telling me his name and you know blah 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 he goes oh you must be new to the city and this was probably like november no this is like december and i was like yeah you know i'm new and then we kind of just struck up a conversation we exchanged numbers and then started talking like on the phone like after like getting home from bump that night and then we went on our first date like the next day <laughs> Aww. Yeah, and then we were in a relationship for like <gasps> but, three okay. years. So he had some nerve to come up to you right. and just be like, bam, I'm going to talk to you. Mm-hmm. What was your response? You know, I was a bit caught off guard, mainly because he like just appeared like <laughs> Literally, like, on, yeah, yeah, right beside me, you know. But, but and oh. it's kind of creepy to be like, <laughs> you must be new in town. Yeah. <laughs> and that was his opening line. I was just like, uh, yeah, how do you, how do you know? <laughs> I wouldn't say we hit it off because I was very, I was kind of skeptical at first because, like, I just hadn't mm. really met anyone in the city or met anyone like out like that. And he was a pretty aggressive. <laughs> as well it was like you're new to the city like before even like you know like introduced himself and then it was just like by the end of the conversation it was here's my number and then by the time i got home he had already like messaged me and then oh wow but part of me was like flattered at the same time because yeah yeah because you know it's just like wow some random person thought i was hot or was like really into that's the funny thing isn't it when yeah. someone has that kind of confidence, mm-hmm. it's easy to just be like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I'll go along with this. <laughs> and then, like, you're, you're just on a date with them before you've had time to really think about it. To really process it, yeah. Because they've just been so like, yep, so we're going to meet here and we're going to do this and this mm-hmm. is what's going to happen. And then you're like, oh, I, oh, yeah. And you yes. don't even <laughs> recognize that there's an option to opt out. Yeah, you just go along with it. Yeah. It's so fascinating. Yeah. I wish I had that confidence sometimes. But then also, like, it's a bit obnoxious, isn't it? Yeah. Not that I'm saying he was obnoxious. Sorry, I'm so judgmental <laughs> of this person I've never met. <laughs> but no, it was definitely, like, looking back on it, I think I would probably have been a bit more like, wait, hold on, pause, let's slow, let's slow it down. <laughs> but it was just such a new experience that, yeah, I kind of just went along with it because I was very... It was just very new uh, for me at that moment. Yeah, so. yeah. One is so flattering, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I totally get that cynicism of like when someone's hitting on you, mm-hmm. the thought in your mind is like, there must be cameras filming this, right? <laughs> this must be a joke somehow. Is, yeah, like, what's going on? And so just to jump back quickly. Sure. So you went to support your friend when he was going on a blind date and he was very much in the dating mode and he really wanted to meet new people mm-hmm. and you ended up snagging a boyfriend. I did. Was he pissed off at you? Oh, for sure. Because the guy that he was actually meeting, ended, like, it ended up not working for them. I think they didn't even go on a second date um, after that. And then he saw me going on these dates and then entering in this relationship with someone I met 
you know, in the same place at the same time, basically. Mm-hmm. And I don't say he was a bit jealous <laughs> of that. He seized with jealousy, maybe? <laughs> or is that too strong? Uh, no, I think that's about about right. oh that's shit though it's shit when you're in that mindset of like i need to fall in love i need Mm -hmm. to meet someone and then other people are doing it around you yeah but i think that's why because i totally wasn't in that mindset and i think that's why it happened a bit easier for me because he was so focused like i gotta go on a date i gotta get a boyfriend i gotta you know and i was just like yeah well you know i'm just coming along (laughs) or you know and then end up meeting someone but see i don't buy into this advice that people give is like oh you'll meet someone when you stop looking i think that's like well if i'm not looking i'm not interested (laughs) well i think it's more what's wrong with looking (laughs) you're open to it but if you're not necessarily focused on it then it can happen for you. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm open to meeting someone, but like, if I'm like hardcore, I have to meet them today, (laughs) then it might not happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I get there's a balance, right? Like Mm -hmm. you don't want to be so single-minded about it that you drain all of the fun out of it and that you're just become a robot. Mm -hmm. But it's like, you know, I wouldn't find a job if I didn't submit job applications. So why would I apply a completely different logic to something else? (laughs) Don't put any effort in and suddenly you'll get what you want. Like, I feel like that's really counterproductive. Well, when you put it like that. So if anyone's out there on dating apps and they're feeling frustrated, don't give up. But get other interests, maybe. Yeah. Take up knitting or something. (laughs) Sound advice from me. Right. But so is that why Bump was a special place for you? Because it represents that time in your life when you first moved to Philly and you were terrified, but also (laughs) embracing this new, brand new world. Yeah. Yeah. I think it wraps up the beginning of kind of this new era in my life where it's all about like this new independence, this new, you know, kind of life Mm. I was creating for myself here in, in Philadelphia. And it kind of just for the nostalgia of like the time and like the, Everything I was going through, it was just like that place where you can always go to, you know, meet up with people who are important, you know, in your life, meet new people Mm. as well. And then, you know, just it's all about having a good time. So I think, you know, it's all those memories kind of wrapped up in like one Mm. special place. And so when did Bump close? Oh, good question. So it started to kind of decline because... The martinis were $4. And they went up to 5 Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, <laughs> you could still get like four martinis for like 20 bucks, But then they raised them to $6. And <laughs> everybody was like, no way. Game over. <laughs> yeah. And so like less and less people started going. And <laughs> a couple like other places started to open up in the city. And then it kind of just like lost that kind of magic Mm. uh, as well. So then people Mm kind of just... And do you remember hearing about it closing? No, I think it was one of those things where it just like closed and was boarded up like Mm. the next time I saw it. And it was just like, whoa, like what happened to Bump? And then, you know, you kind of think about, oh yeah, well they did raise the prices. Well, yeah, I hadn't even been in this amount of time. And it was just like, oh, well, you know, now what are... (laughs) 
now what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. And so, like, did you respond emotionally at the time or was it more of a, like, oh, oh, I guess it doesn't exist anymore? Yeah, it was definitely, like, a womp, womp. Because even though people had stopped going, it was still, like, you know, that place that, you know, was special. Mm. And so, like, seeing it close down is just, like, oh, like, oh, no. <laughs> because it did kind of have, like, those special memories, I think, for, like, a lot of people. Yeah. And so what would you say that having access to Bump taught you about yourself? Hmm. It taught me that I could make it and I could thrive in like a new situation. I think because, you know, it helped me kind of become more social and like an environment that I would never, you know, have really kind of done before. And it helped me kind of, you know, grow and mature like in some ways as well. Do you have any memories of Bump or clubbing from your own queer scene that you want to share? Well, if you do, please get in touch. I want to create the biggest online record of people's memories and stories of queer clubbing, and I know you can help. Go to lostspacespodcast.com and find the section Share a Lost Space and tell me all about what it is you got up to. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as Lost Spaces Pod. And whilst you're at it, give Category Is a little follow on Twitter. The profile is at Category Is Pod. Or, you know, just give the show a little listen wherever you stream podcasts, which might be this very app that you are using right now. If you enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate if you subscribed, left a review on your podcast platform, or just told people who you think might be interested in giving it a wee listen too. I am Kay Anderson, and you have been listening to Lost Spaces.